the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, TGIF. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS. Thanks for joining us, being a part of the program. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to, text in, please. And, of course, a couple of ways to email yours truly, 24-7-365, 710knus.com. Go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page there or log on to my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is... Easy. Good to be with you today. One more day this week, then back on the air tomorrow early in the morning from 6 to 9 with the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. And then I will be covering this 3 p.m. slot next week as well, so be sure to tune in then. We have so much to discuss. The news never sleeps. Biden now is going to meet Xi Jinping in San Francisco next Wednesday. That's some big news. We've got the ongoing war in Gaza, and we've, of course, got the special session that will be coming up since Prop HH failed. You've got some things happening with school boards, so much going on and to talk about, and we will keep tabs on as much of it as we humanly find possible to cover. Good to be with you today. Coming up in just a little bit, we will open up the phones, 303-696-1971. What's on your mind? There's a range of things that we'll dive into, but let's have the conversation coming up. First, though, we are seeing an increasing rise of efforts in this state, in school districts in this state, and frankly, all across the country, to cut parents out of the picture with their kids on many different things relating to deeply personal matters. Turning to teachers on issues like pronouns to use their discretion in not informing parents. That is something that is happening. And we have a bill in the legislature this upcoming session that would codify such a practice. Meanwhile, though, there are other tools and resources out there for young people to access, for folks really of all ages to access. The Crisis Center, for example, in Colorado, is one state-sanctioned, state-authorized and funded institution that is an opportunity for folks to call if you are in some kind of a crisis. There are a lot of different definitions of crisis. Of course, it's sort of up to the person who thinks they need help. Now, this is all well and good, but what if a young child calls in or texts in and has an exchange? What information may or may not be shared to a parent? What information may or may not be presented to the child? 
there are certainly, for those who are riding home with your kids, there are certainly some sensitive topics that will be coming up in this discussion. So bear that in mind as we get this discussion going with the co-founder and executive director of the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network. Our good friend, Lori Gimmelstein, returns here to 710 KNUS. Good afternoon, Lori. Uh, How are you? I am great, Jimmy. It's great to be on. Great to hear your voice at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, indeed. It's a lot of fun and glad to be here and glad to have you with us. So you uh, you posed as a 9-year-old girl to, or at least nine-year-old kid, to text in to this Colorado Crisis Center. It's a story picked up by Fox News Online, so foxnews.com. Colorado mom poses as nine-year-old to text school-sanctioned crisis line, sickened by responses. That's the headline. Kudos to you for getting some national attention here. Uh, Let's just sort of look top line, and then we'll drill in. What's going on here? What inspired you to say, you know what? I'm going to pretend to be nine years old so that I can get to the bottom of some things that might be concerning. Yeah, absolutely. So um, ColoradoPeers.org, on our website, we launched in December of 2022 our our incident reporting tool and an inequity reporting tool. So our incident reporting tool is a tool for parents and students, educators across the state to be able to share information that might need some additional investigation. So we're seeing in school districts that they are not necessarily being transparent with the communities that they serve. And CPN, the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network, is really seeking to provide that accountability so that as you look at district administrations and you look at school boards, who are they held accountable to? You would like to think that they're held accountable to the community that they serve, but we're actually seeing a lot of secrets being kept from the community, kept from families and parents. And um, when in September, when school was back to session and, and parents were going to schools for back to school nights, we got a few uh, incident reports on posters that were in the hallways uh, at Canyon Creek Elementary and Cherry Creek schools. Those posters said things like, my family is great in all big letters. And then underneath in smaller print, it read at pointing out my faults. Mm. Another one was my good grades are never quite good enough. And this is being marketed towards children ages five to 10. That's our, that's our elementary school ages. And in, on those posters, there was this text talk to three, eight, Two five five, and uh, we we saw that there was a picture that a teacher shared with us uh, where a student was like sitting on the floor underneath these posters, and we're close with uh, Chief George Mama out in Jeffco, who's working with CPAN and, and other groups like Jeffco Kids First to really push back on this narrative of what is a trusted adult or a safe adult. And uh, retired Chief Mama is a former child crimes investigator. And he gave us some mentorship on how do you do an investigation when you have some potential concerns about how um, different organizations are are completing these crisis calls, for example. So we did some uh, training with him and um, we wrote down what what we wanted to ensure was or was not happening. And I, um, during this investigation, I posed as a nine-year-old child um, and 
you know, this was driven again from the cherry, the, the posters in the Cherry Creek schools. Uh, and I contacted uh, the, the 38255 text to talk and I was immediately asked for my full name, my date of birth, my gender identity, and my zip code. And any parent listening right now, if you don't hear anything else out of this call, please talk to your children about what you expect when somebody asks them for their personal identifying information. And this is just in a text. You don't actually know who you're talking to. So I indicated that I was Haley Perry. I gave my birthday uh, indicating that I was nine years old. Um, I uh, shared my gender pronoun as I am a girl. And I also shared that I, first of all, I said I didn't know what a zip code was and I asked my mom and I wrote my zip code. And then I was immediately connected with a crisis specialist. And you know, the conversation started off, you know, just normally, you know, how are you feeling? And I kind of responded, you know, I'm, I don't know. And then it just led into some further discussion quite quickly where I just said, I wish I was a boy. And as we were talking in the, in this, in these report, in the, uh, this, this text thread, she asked me um, to explain a little bit more. And I said, I think I'm trans, but I don't want my mom to find out. And this crisis specialist assured me that my mom would not find out, that they would keep this confidential, that I could be anything that I wanted to be. And she would send me resources to help me explore my queer identity. And then she connected me to the Trevor Project, um, which is an organization, a, a charitable organization that's mission is to help people who are LGBTQIA. Um, but we know uh, through our investigation, uh, working with other groups, uh, that there are some really controversial things on the Trevor Project's website. Um, I do want families to also know that the Trevor Project um, is a resource recommended to children in schools across the state. Um, and so it's really important to start having these conversations with your children about uh, make, what, what your expectation is sure. on engaging with these online groups. Because what happens is very quickly you, you can be connected to chat rooms. Um, and we know that sexual exploitation of children is a serious issue. And we have to protect our children. So during this this text conversation, I was just sickened, like to think that a nine year old could have this kind of access uh, to adult driven content without their parents' knowledge. And the other concerning component is in the state of Colorado, the way the legislation is written is that our children at the age of twelve can access mental health therapy without their parents knowledge, consent, or an involvement. And as a clinician myself in the field of speech pathology, when you work with children, the best outcomes are always with family involvement. Yes. Um, you, and and we, we cannot understand why uh, there is this need to drive a wedge between children and their parents. And these posters uh, really are very yeah. misleading and contradicting family values. I, I want to jump in here on a couple of things. One one thing you left out from the exchange was the point when the issue of suicide came up. Can you, before we yes. continue, can you tell us about that part of this text exchange where, again, you were posing as a nine-year-old girl, Lori Gimmelstein of CPAN, and engaging with somebody working for the Christ, Colorado Crisis Hotline? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have uh, 
I have all the screenshots of the conversation uh, that we had. And, and after um, we, you know, I said, I saw your poster at school and, you know, I wanted to reach out and, and get connected. Um, and then I just basically, I'm trying to, I'm just digging through this uh, thing, but basically what happened uh, was the crisis specialist said, you know, have you ever thought, you know, do, do you have thoughts about killing yourself? And we had other um, investigators as part of this investigative team that also texted, talked to this line and engaged in conversation with crisis specialists. And in every single one of those calls, the, the, the investigators never alluded to suicidal ideation or self-harm. And we were all asked if we wanted to kill ourselves. Yeah, the the language here from the Fox News article is, quote, if, if this has, quote, brought up any thoughts of killing yourself. And yeah. that is just mind blowing that somebody would bring that up unsolicited to a person they believe to be. I say believe to be because you, again, were yourself pretending to be a nine year old to get a better understanding of how they might operate in a situation like this. But somebody they believe to be and had every reason to believe to be a nine year old child. Now, the thing that's astonishing to me is the kind of rhetoric that we're hearing here, whether it is on the hotline saying, "Okay, you're nine years old, but don't worry, your parents aren't going to find out about any of this. And then you have these posters. My family never fails to cause frustration and stress or at at, my Mm -hmm. family is great at pointing out my faults now. That to play devil's advocate, though, in a case like that, you could see the mindset there is we want kids who are feeling these negative thoughts about their family and don't feel like they have a place to turn to. They can know, oh, they have a place to turn to with this hotline. What about that? Providing kids with an opportunity to talk with somebody third party and they're just trying to emphasize, okay, you might be having these kinds of thoughts. So there's a place for you to call or text? Mm -hmm. I think um, this all comes from a place of compassion. um, And, but the problem is that there is no system for accountability and practice. I was alarmed during this investigation uh, to talk with four, uh, two former employees of the Colorado crisis line. So, you know, when you think of the word crisis specialist, you, you think of somebody that has, you know, a background, in psychology, like, you know, likely a psychologist themselves, you know, is an experienced provider or licensed through the state. But the hiring practices for this, for this line are you just require the individual to have a four-year degree in any subject. Uh, so you have your bachelor's degree, and then you take a six-week training course, pass a test, and then you do one day of mock calls, and then you're on your own. And one, some of the concerns that these former employees were sharing was that they, they just were shocked at the people that were providing these crisis services and that they were not properly trained for the content that they were dealing with. And so, you know, what started in a place of compassion is now uh, needs to be fully investigated. That's what the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network is seeking to ensure happens. We need to ensure there is a system of accountability in place that these services are not being compromised and that children are not being influenced. And there is, there is a big concern, you know, where there's this pushback on this investigation that, you know, only 2% of children under the age of 12 call. Well, in the state of Colorado, under the age of 12 is not legal. Right. And you, we must 
be concerned about our children that are ages 12 to 18 that are accessing this line because children are easily impressionable and they need their parents. And as I'm looking through the text thread and in yeah. just this, this text that she was talking about, she says, I get that. It can help to explore your gender identity on your own terms before discussing with others. I'm curious, as you mentioned, this has been making you sad. Has this brought up any thoughts of killing There yourself? we go. And I said, why? And she said, I'm just wanting to know, as we like to ask about such thoughts and feelings on this line so we can provide you support for it. And because sometimes people feel when they feel sad, they want to kill them. You know what's the most disturbing to me, Lori, about that question is that it is possible that the idea had never crossed the mind of a child. And let's say a nine-year-old girl was actually texting in and asked that question and it was planted in their head. I mean, Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that, especially if the whole idea is we are encouraging you to not talk to your parents because we're promising, don't worry, we're not going to talk to your parents' nine-year-old kid. Right. And the other thing that is interesting, and this is just my opinion around, so at the beginning of our text thread, when I was asking if it was going to be confidential, she said, you know, unless you, um, you know, there's suicide ideation, you know, then we, we would want to help you. We'd want to come meet you in person. And um, it was almost as though she was setting me up to share that, th- that I had uh, suicidal ideation or that I was trying to harm myself. At the end of the call, she said, you know, I'm just curious, have you ever thought of um, self-harming? And I just said, you know, what, what is self-harming? And she, you know, just shared with me that self-harming is when people hurt themselves when they're feeling sad. And I said, like pinching. And she said, yes, are you doing that? And um, I said, no, but a friend is. Now, let me ask you, Lori, in that devil's advocate role again, we just have a few minutes left again. Lori Gimmelstein, our guest with the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network. There could be, because the, the, while they would not, while the Colorado, this crisis center, the crisis uh, services would not acknowledge whether this conversation was legit or not, we know it was, but they would not acknowledge it. They did say that this still followed our standards of care. So in their Correct. mind, they might be saying, well, we're just trying to figure this out so we can have the most information and know if there is a danger to this kid. And how else are we going to know if they're not volunteering it to us? What would you say to somebody who said we should do that because we're trying to be proactive in case there is something more serious and they're not disclosing it yet? You know, I think it's a very complicated question that deserves more healthy discussion on it. You know, obviously, we want to ensure that children are safe in their home. And we do have a system, although I suspect that the system also needs to be further investigated with with child protective services. Um, And we have schools that are mandatory reporters. And there's something that has been lost in the last few years. And that is what Uh, many call the golden triangle, and that's the parent-teacher-student triangle, that relationship. And what we need to move back towards is that if a teacher has a concern, the first person they contact is the parent, Um, and they work together to support that student. Um, And when we're putting posters into hallways that push this divide with parents and and, and suggest that someone else is going to be better to talk to than your family. I think that's not, and this is my opinion, but I don't think that that is helpful for supporting families. 
And uh, the other thing is that these posters, there's numerous posters that can be chosen from. And Cherry Creek Schools particularly chose these to hang up. So they're saying, you know, we, we have to hang them up. It is state law, and it is, uh, that these, these crisis signs need to be promoted. But they can choose which posters they put up. Yeah. And they chose to put these posters in an elementary yeah, I'm school. sure there are plenty of ones that don't plant this idea or make an antagonistic statement mm-hmm. toward kids' families because, yes, they may have an overly critical parent. There may be a situation where they're having frustration, stress, things going on at home that aren't healthy. There are other ways to figure that out with kids that are undertaken, and teachers are very good, actually, at at ascertaining if there's actual abuse going on at home. Putting something out this way certainly is not helpful, but for whatever reason, we are seeing more and more school districts, Cherry Creek among them, and legislators. We have legislation that, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we'll, we'll be talking about much more on this station for sure, that wants to codify the idea that teachers don't have to tell parents about pronoun differences that a kid chooses and their gender changes. There could be one gender at school and their biological gender at home. It's all getting worse and worse and more concerning, and that's why we appreciate you spotlighting this. Uh, Good to see it in Fox News, and good to have you on the program as always. Lori Gimmelstein from CPAN. Thank you, Jimmy. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Once again, Lori is the executive director of the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network doing great work on issues like this. This is this is important to to see and understand, and it fits in with a broader mosaic of things, of issues going on in schools and other avenues of supposed support for kids that are actively trying to cut parents out of the picture. It's astonishing to me. 303-696-1971. What are your thoughts on this? Is there merit to this approach on the hotline, even with a nine-year-old kid believed to be on the other side of the conversation? Then we've got a lot more to talk about. There were the, there was the debate on Wednesday, so we've got presidential issues There's more goings on at the Colorado legislature gearing up for a special session. And what was the real message of Tuesday's election? As I write in the Denver Gazette today, really, it comes down to Colorado voters repudiating dysfunction in the statewide ballot in Denver schools and in the city of Aurora. We got more on that coming up. 303-696-1971. You can text in the 710K and US app on your smartphone as well. Keep it right here. Jimmy Sangenberger with you. News Talk 710K and US. 27 minutes before 4 o'clock. Jimmy Sangenberger back with you. News Talk 710K and US. Good to have you along for the ride today. Of course, yesterday in the morning. Governor Jared Polis announced a special session. Okay, we're going to find out uh, what the plan is. Uh, Voters uh, said no to Prop H. We're going to see what the plan is to to figure out property tax relief. Looks like a special session for property tax. What? I I missed this yesterday before we went on the show. It wasn't until afterwards. 
that I saw it and I was like, wait, what am I watching here? He literally took a baseball bat, had goggles on, went over to a glass box, broke the glass, you know, the kind of in case of emergency, break glass. In case of no on HH, break glass, it said. And he broke the glass with the baseball bat, pulls out a sheet of paper and says, looks like a special session for property tax relief. It was the weirdest thing I think I've seen this governor do. I I don't know. And to me, it's sort of like, oh, my gosh, Michael. It's just about the show, Jim, Kelly, whoever is producing. And I don't have a guest because the guest canceled on me. I break the glass and the plan is find another guest. It's not, okay, we'll turn to so-and-so to be the other guest. It's just the plan is find another guest. His plan, let's do a special session. I don't have any more specifics to offer up. Well, you know, we we don't. Uh, as I said, we had this uh, we had this uh, glass case ready with this. Everybody was asking what the plan B was, and uh, it was in the scroll in there, ready to go. I want to be clear: we don't have a particular uh, plan in the sense of the actual policy, but we want to give the legislature the room to use the two hundred million for property tax relief, to use more than that for property tax relief. Uh, there's a very small window to do that, and uh, time wise, because the assessors have to implement whatever the legislature does. So this could not be done, for instance, in December. has to be done now. So he's saying there's a tight time frame. We have to do it now. But I don't have any specific ideas that I'm offering to the legislature for the special session that I'm calling because the measure that I was so doggedly pushing failed. So all I could do is just have a backup plan being plan B. Let's create a new plan. In the legislature. Let's find a new guest on the show. What about? Well, maybe we want to do China. Okay. Then you work through the solution. Well, why doesn't he have the solution already? Oh, because he doesn't want to adopt what the Republicans have proposed. Already. The GOP has been calling for a special session since May of this year. And, of course, the Democrats instead wanted to wait it out, wanting to do away with Tabor while they addressed property tax relief in the same package. They wanted to do it together because that was the only way that they could sell and pull the wool over the people of Colorado. At least they tried. To do away long term with the taxpayer's bill of rights. And it didn't work out so well. I write today in the Denver Gazette about Colorado voters and how they repudiated dysfunction in Denver schools and in the city of Aurora and in Proposition HH. And they did so. They exemplified getting rid of dysfunction through the deceptive tactics that the proponents of HH, including Polis and Democratic lawmakers, who attempted to disguise a massive long-run tax increase as a modest property tax cut. Now, this campaign 
was trying to subvert Coloradans' right to receive future tax refunds under Tabor. And it violated the precept of good governance. And now, by the way, do you know that they're trying to, I think we talked about this yesterday, they're trying to justify the failure of HH that the legislature wrote and put onto the ballot and could have thought to word differently. They're blaming their feeble defense on the failure with the excuse that it was too complicated. Which, by the way, as I write today, that argument belies the very disdain for the average Coloradan that generated Prop HH in the first place. They have disdain for us, which is why they put Prop HH on the ballot, because they believed they could fool you, and they didn't. And I talked about yesterday how even the Wall Street Journal warned that discarding Tabor could result in the kind of debilitated governance dysfunction that dominates Taborless states like California, Illinois, New Jersey, New York. That, and in those states, we see unchecked government expansion. We see this massive crushing tax burdens and unending fiscal challenges. And so by wisely upholding Colorado's unique tradition and method of fiscal responsibility, something we call Tabor, voters again dodge the inevitable long-term calamities of losing Tabor. And thank God they did. All right, the glass is broken. Let's go to Plan B, Geronimo, to Lewis in Aurora. Good afternoon. Lewis, you're not actually Plan B. I was going to go to you as Plan A. Don't feel bad. All right. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Do you, uh, praise the Lord. Great. Hey, do you? Do we expect anything else from these Democrats? Look what the D.C. Democrats wants to do. They want to tie up Israel support for Israel with the Ukraine. And let that money flow away to Ukraine without accountability. That's what they wanted with HH. Give me the, give me, give me your money, your paper. Don't worry how we're going to spend it. Just give it to us. That that's fair. Now I I will say this. I'm a supporter of funding Ukraine and continuing that funding. Although I believe and agree that there needs to be more accountability and tracking of where the money's going, how it's spent, and so forth. But I totally agree with the Republicans in Washington that while I want that aid to go through, it needs to be separate from Israel. Allow Israel to get their aid in the pressing moment that we're in, which is time-sensitive versus in terms of Ukraine, we have been providing aid for a year and a half to Ukraine. It's something that has been ongoing. This is a new and pressing need here. I got a question. Yes, sir. Another question. Why is it if you want uh, something on the ballot that you have to get signatures, but yet these people in the Capitol just put it on the ballot? They don't need to get signatures. So there is actually a reason for that. I don't know if you're being serious or sort of uh, uh, flippant about it, because being flippant about it makes total sense, because these people are now trying to tell us that what they wrote is too complicated. And that's why the voters didn't vote for it. Because, Lewis, you weren't smart enough to understand what they were actually trying to do. Actually, the problem is, Lewis, that you were too smart for their little games, and it was not complicated enough to fool people. They saw through it. But to your question, this would be what's called a referred measure. The legislature does this 
often. Remember uh, 2019 where there was Proposition CC, which was another attempt at a Tabor grab? Whenever you see a proposition that has letters in it, now we're in double letters, hence HH and II, that means the legislature referred it to the people for a vote. But it goes through a different process because they're the elected legislators, so at least the theory is it's going to be okay to trust them with the exact wording of their proposals that go on the ballot because they're the ones that we elect as legislators, whereas the people aren't elected. So you need to have some kind of a review board to make sure that all the ducks are in a row. That's at least the theory. If they actually think this is too complicated for people to understand, maybe they shouldn't refer ballot measures anymore. I don't know. What do you think, Lewis? Looks like we might have lost Lewis, unfortunately. Now, you do need to have the referred ballot measure opportunities for people in the legislature because there are things that you could say as legislators, we want to do this, but we really think the people should vote for it. In the case of Prop HH, normally, this is actually another piece of it, normally in other states, if the government, if the legislators want to raise taxes, they can do so on their own accord. They can just say, okay, we're going to raise taxes. In Colorado, legislators can't do that, but they have They're required instead to go to a vote of the people for a tax increase. But legislators have to propose it. If they need to raise taxes, they have the right to propose it. So a referred measure, Lewis, is necessary for the legislature to be able to have any way of raising taxes to fund things that the government does. Thankfully, under Tabor, they have to come to us instead of just doing it themselves. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And but again, they're so these Democrats here are the common copy of the ones in D.C. Remember, yes. in D.C., they give themselves a raise without asking us. You know. Hey, guess and, what? And, that That's also what the Denver yeah. School Board is getting ready to do next Thursday. Uh, Scott yeah. Esserman, the, the treasurer of the school board, is putting forward a measure that was approved for voting next week uh, by the school board last week, saying let's give ourselves a 400% raise from $9,000 to $33,000. Now it's only the new incoming board members that will be eligible for it, but Next time, there the others will be eligible for it if they run for reelection. It's just all absurd. I know, yeah. I know, Jimmy. Well, appreciate it. God Thanks, brother. You. Love the love the jazz. You as well, and yes, indeed, best bumper music known to man. We'll get a nice taste of that coming up here in just a few minutes. Bruce in Denver. Jimmy was the Polis thing, like Hillary's Russian reset button. <laughs> I wish I had one of those rim shots. That would be uh, fitting here. (laughs) Well said, Bruce, in Denver. The Polis thing was like a Russian reset button. Yes, indeed. Hillary's Russian reset button, that is. 303-696-1971. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more on the other side. Your thoughts coming up as we continue. 710 KNUS. I don't know. I think I already have the best bumper music in town. I don't just think I know. Welcome back. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS. 
last segment of the week, at least for 3 to 4, although I'll be back here all next week from 3 to 4 as well. So be sure to tune in then tomorrow on the Saturday Jimmy Sangenberger Show from 6 to 9. I will be joined in the 7 o'clock hour by retired Brigadier General Doug Slocum, who I had on early in the Israeli war with Hamas several weeks back. I think I was filling in for, for George. And we brought him on. He's phenomenal. And I wanted to bring him on. We could talk about where things are at right now with the war in Gaza. What would happen if Israel were to do a ceasefire? And, of course, celebrate and honor our veterans on Veterans Day, which is tomorrow. I do want to extend for a moment as well my thanks to any and all veterans who are listening to this program right now. Thank you so much for your service. It is appreciated. We are grateful for it here on 710KNUS. And there's not much more than we can say, but we understand the sacrifice here that you made and that your family made. So thank you for your service from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of all our hearts. I know I speak on behalf of everybody here at 710KNUS in this regard. Now, I talked in the last segment about voters repudiating dysfunction, and then we got into this topic of the Denver school board wanting to pay itself more, a 400% raise completely unearned. I don't know if they'll actually do it. I'm going to go right after the show next Thursday. I'm going to go downtown and be there for the final meeting and see if this nonsense happens, if this absurdity happens. But what we saw on Tuesday were the three school board seats went to non-union candidates. The two incumbents, Charmaine Lindsay and Scott Balderman, were both removed from the board by voters. And a non-union at-large candidate was plopped in by voters. Plopped in. I don't know why I said plopped in. Was voted into office. That would be John Youngquist. In a complete and utter rebuke of... DPS's board and of the clown show there. And here's the thing. This was a resounding condemnation of the whole board echoing through the hallways. No more clown shows. Get your act together. Cut the theatrics. Ditch the interpersonal squabbles and refocus. And yet Denver Public Schools has a lot to change in order to right the ship. Because they have worn dysfunction like a well-worn cloak. And of course, I've often dissected its tattered edges. What we saw in Aurora was also a repudiation of dysfunction. That's why Juan Marcano ended up being told, hey, guy, you're out. No more. No more. We don't want you as mayor. We're going to keep Mike Kaufman there. And these are sizable victories, by the way. I mean, John Youngquist in Denver got 60% of the vote, while Kwame Spearman got 28%. He got absolutely trounced, Kwame did. And you know why? Because he didn't have a clear vision. He was one of the guys, and I realized this when he left the studio and I did several months back my interview after he announced he ran, was running for the school board, who puts his finger up under the wind and says, 
What position am I to take now? On school resource officers, I asked Kwame Spearman, do you think they should come back? He wouldn't give me an answer. And then seemed off there to think it was okay not to have an actual answer on that. People in Denver wanted a clear answer, wanted to send a clear message. And that's what was sent. In Aurora as well, Juan Marcano, you're out. We don't want you as mayor. Take your anti-Semitism. Take your hatred. Take your far-left radical ideology. Take your aid to abolition support, which wants defunding the police and closing prisons. Remove police from schools. Take all of that and bye-bye. He got less than 40% of the vote against Kaufman. So there was a distinct message sent. In fact, Juan Marcano's old seat is now going to be held by conservative Stephanie Hancock. Congratulations, Stephanie. Or you can go into Ward 5. That is now going to be held by somebody who's moderately center-right in Angela Lawson, currently an at-large school board me- or at-large city council member, now moving into that position. Actually, her and Allison Coombs are kind of switching. Coombs, the, another socialist, managed to squeak onto the board to get enough votes in the four-way race to remain on the council. But now the left has a, a three-member band, and that's it up against eight, three to eight when you include, I think, the mayor. That's good news. Repudiation of dysfunction in Denver and Aurora and statewide with Proposition HH. Oops, wrong button. <laughs> we are up against the end anyway. Folks, it's been a great week. Really appreciate you joining us. I hope you will tune in three to four all next week. And, of course, tomorrow morning with the Jimmy Sangenberger Show from 6 until 9 right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. And remember, when in doubt, when you need a plan B... Just break that glass. Have a great weekend. See you tomorrow and on Monday. God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.